the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to the Adopted Mom Podcast. My name is Alex Fitton and this is season four, episode 13 or 61, however you want to look at it. So today is the day after Mother's Day and I just want to wish you guys happy Mother's Day. I hope you had a great day yesterday and I hope that you were celebrated and cared for and I hope you got a nap or like a break, or something. Um, But we're going to be doing some really cool things for Mother's Day all week over in the Adoptive Mom community on Facebook. So if you're not already a part of that group, come and join us. Um, You know, I do stuff on Instagram too, so if you're an Instagram follower, that's awesome. But I mean, I'm just telling you, it's worth creating a Facebook profile just to be in that group, because it's a really great community of women uh, and, you know, some men supporting each other and just, you know, we, we do talk about the the podcast episode, but we also just talk about life and what we're going through. And you definitely want to be a part of that. Um, today, I have a really fun episode for you. So um, it's with Casey Douglas. So Casey is a data analyst and a wedding photographer, which are two things that obviously go hand in hand. I'm kidding. But um, it, it's really cool that she has like her very analytical side and her creative side that she gets to tap into both. She's also a homeschool mom to therapeutic foster and adopted teenagers. And her story went viral a few months ago when she shared about adopting her 18-year-old son, Randall. And they've also been featured on Love What Matters. So their story is really cool, and I'm not the only one who thinks that clearly. So Casey and I got to chat just about their story and what it's like to adopt teenagers and, uh, you know, just how they make all of that work. She's also really young, and so um, we got to have some solidarity there, too, um, just about adopting teenagers that are not old enough or not young enough to, like, even possibly be biologically yours. So that's fun. Um, Before we jump in, I want to tell you, so season four is coming to a close. There's only two episodes left after this, and we're going to be having some really cool announcements coming your way about season five and the other awesome stuff going on. And the best way to get to to be in the know about those things is to be a part of my email list and in the Facebook community I already mentioned. So you can join my email list at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email. And I don't want you to be out of the loop. So sign up now. And don't forget to rate and review. I have a really cool season finale coming up. I'm really excited about it. And more people are going to hear about it because of your reviews on iTunes. So definitely just take the few minutes and do that. It'll really help me out. And I will just like love you forever. I mean, I already love you forever, but I will like love you 3000. And if you haven't seen Endgame, then you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I'm going to stop nerding out now. Let's get to Casey. All right. Hey, Casey, how's it going? Hi, Alex. Everything is going great. That's so fun. So, okay. I don't know you in real life, which is so fun. I love getting to do interviews with people that I don't know in real life. Um, but I, I know your story because you went viral, which is like crazy pants. That's really cool. Yeah, it was really unexpected. Um, just a couple of friends had seen what I written, had written about my son's adoption and they were like, Hey, you should let me share that. And when I did, I woke up to about like 10,000 shares and 
likes and stuff. And my son was watching the whole time going, mom, what's going on? <laughs> He's like famous now or something. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. Well, I just went and reshared it, um, which I had shared it before, but I just went and reshared it because we were going to do this interview and it's up to, it's like 200 and something thousand shares now. Really? Yeah, that's, I'm pretty sure, unless I like completely miss saw, but that's, I think that's what it said. Wow. Okay. That's more than I realized. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But, um, so speaking of that story, um, just take a second first, just introduce us to your family. And I know that there are two members of your family that you cannot say their names. So you can, I, I don't know, here in Arkansas, everyone likes to give their foster kids like cute little nicknames. I was, I, I like, participated in that just because of necessity. So I don't know how you want to do that, but go for it. <laughs> That's okay. I'm Casey Douglas. I'm 27. My husband is Peter and he is 28. We um, both work full-time for a family business and then we parent our kids and we're also homeschool parents. Our oldest is Randall. He is 18 and he was recently adopted in January, which is amazing um, that we got to adopt him even after he turned 18. And we have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old currently. Um, my 16-year-old, we call him Middle Son, which sounds ridiculous, but that's <laughs> the name he goes by on Facebook because it's actually really cute with his first name. And then my little one, we call him Biddy Love. So that's his nickname. And so we currently have three kids and we're always looking to expand. Wow. And yeah, so you're, you're right around, you're a little younger than me, but we're, you know, we're in the same boat of like adopting teen boys as, you know, when we're in our twenties, which is insane. Like on paper, you look at that and you're like, no, but here we are. So I was really excited to talk to you because you are stepping into that just crazy world too. So yeah, just take a second and tell us your, your family story up until, you know, your adoptions and, and up until now, really. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so my husband and I met in 2012. Um, I went on a blind date with his best friend. <laughs> um, yeah, funny. My husband's intention was to be a missionary in Thailand. And so he asked my father if we had room at the office until, um, he could get enough money to fly to Thailand and be this, um, group home leader in Thailand. Um, so instead he ended up marrying me and sticking around and I was never one for biological children. I knew when I was really young that that wasn't something that I was interested in. I have never been a baby person. Everyone's like, here, hold my baby. And I'm like, uh, probably not. Just... <laughs> it's cute and all from like here, but like, <laughs> you don't want me to hold your baby. It's fine. And then, you know, as I get older, I was like, okay, here, I can hold it, but I'm, I'm not going to like be the person that's like grabbing babies out of your hand. That's never been me. Um, so when my husband and I decided to get married, I told him really upfront, I was like, Hey, I just want you to know I'm not interested in bearing children. And he comes from a family of six boys. Um, he's the second oldest of six boys. <laughs> and so that was kind of a shock for everyone in the family that, um, I was not interested in my husband ended up marrying me anyways. So, um, that was kind of a really, awkward thing for a while between our families. My mom kind of had, she kind of accepted her fate because I've always been a very strong willed person. And she kind of knew that once I set my mind to something, it's not really going to change a whole lot. So about three and a half years after we were married, um, we really committed to getting licensed to foster and adopt. And so we chose to end our fertility that way. Um, 
and we chose not to have biological children. And we wanted to make sure that bringing new kids into the house that were not biological, we had already protected them from being the second plan or the backup plan or having something take their place. So um, that was in 2000. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 2016, fall of 2016 is when we first started um, our foster to adopt pride classes here in Texas. And we had just sold our house. We were in the process of building a new house and everything was just going wrong. One thing right after the other was happening. We ended up living in a travel trailer because my house sold in two weeks. Wow. Um, So we didn't have enough time to get into a new house just yet. So we had the two of us and our little fluffy Australian shepherd living in a travel trailer behind our office. And, um, it was winter time. So our pipes started to freeze. So we moved back in with my parents for a couple of months until we could. Nice. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. It wasn't bad. I love my parents. They're great people, very kind and open hearted. Um, but of course as adults living in your parents' house is like soul crushing. It's just just like, (laughs) I failed at life kind of soul crushing. Um, and so we had started putting, um, we realized we weren't going to be able to build a house fast enough. And so we started putting in contracts on different houses and every single one just sort of falling apart and falling apart. And we're like, okay, Lord, this is crazy. We were nearing the end of our classes. We were trying to get everything put together. And this house came up and it had the most hideous pictures. I did not want to live in an ugly house. Um, but we went to look at it anyways. And we got there and realized that the pictures had just been taken with a cell phone and it wasn't ugly after all. <laughs> Which is great. It was a blessing and it felt like home the second we walked in. And so my husband and I bought the house and we had finished our classes about two weeks before we closed on our house. And, um, of course they're like, well, whenever you move in, just let us know. We'll come do the home study. And they're like, but it has to look like home. So me being the overachiever that I am, um, thought, okay, they want to make it look like we've been living here for 10 years. So I have to do this all in a couple of days. So my family and everyone that we've ever known got together and we put our house together in probably two or three days and made it look like we'd been living there for years. No boxes in the garage, rooms decorated and ready. And so when our home study um, writer came in, she's like, how long have you guys lived here? I'm like, oh, like a week. And she she was like, you guys are psychopaths. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We were just really ready we had been kind of um, searching the state listings for kids that were available for adoption. And our hearts have always been drawn to adoption rather than fostering. We're more of a permanent situation type family. Um, because my husband and I were junior high youth pastors for that first two and a half, three years of our marriage, we really bonded with that younger, um, you know, 12 to 15 age gap kind of thing. And that our kids that we started with were all about 16, 17 at the time. So we kind of watched them grow from that junior high age, the high school age to, you know, sophomores, juniors in high school. And it was a lot of fun watching them grow up. And we saw how many of those kids didn't have solid families or people that cared about them. Um, a lot of times, you know, we'd have them at the house or we'd pick them up for church on Sunday mornings and things like that. And just little things here and there. And we really began to connect with that age group. So when we began to get licensed, we said, okay, we will take 12 and up. And when we said that, it was a lot of fun. Um, people like to, uh, try to persuade you out of that. Once you've made that decision, it was also like, (laughs) um, everyone's like, Oh wow, that's so amazing. Teenagers need families. Maybe you should 
think about younger kids so you don't get murdered in your sleep. And I'm like, <laughs> that's exactly how it felt. Was like They're like, oh, that's so great that you're thinking about doing that. You should change your mind right now. <laughs> um, yes, that is. So, yes, that's the truth. Like that is what happens. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's like, you're such a great person, but don't be such a great person because you're going to die. <laughs> Not quite that dramatic, you know. So um, we finished up our home study. We we were just completely ready for our boy. We had already kind of been looking at the photo listings. We had found a couple of boys that our heart was really impressed upon. And, you know, we were open to girls, too. But at the time, there were just a couple of boys that were about to age out that we really wanted to reach out to. And it ended up being that one of them, I think, got adopted before. And then one of them had aged out of the system before we could get there. And he was going back to his biological family. Um, so while we were totally 100% supportive of that, we knew that the Lord still had plans for us to um, move forward with other older kids. So whenever they came to give us our license that day, um, they said, are you guys open to fostering? And I was like, well, you know, we're more of a forever family kind of situation. You know, we'd prefer straight adopt. And and then I, me and my husband had been talking about it before. And I was like, Peter, what kind of people are we if we say we're going to love these kids? But if there's a kid dropped off on our doorstep, we're not going to accept that no matter what comes along with it. And so I was like, well, if it's an emergency situation, we'll, we'll take a foster placement. So she asked me, what do you consider an emergency? And I was like, what do you consider an emergency? And she said, well, she goes, I got a phone call about 10 minutes before coming through your door for a 16 year old boy that needs immediate placement. And I said, okay, we'll take him. And my husband looked at me like I was crazy. And <laughs> he's like, uh, don't, don't we need to talk about this? Don't we need to like ask more questions? Because, you know, going through classes, that's what they'll tell you, you know, slow down, ask all the questions, get all the stuff before. Um, and I looked at him and I was like, if you want to pray about it, you can, but I've done enough praying at this point to know that, you know, we're here. This has been dropped into our laps. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to pray about it for a second. So he started to pray out loud and he was like, okay, dear Lord. Okay, let's bring in. And that was exactly <laughs> how it all went down. And so, um, about four and a half hours later, five hours later, we had our baby boy come through our door. Um, it was crazy because they're like, okay, we'll give you a call in 20 minutes to make sure he's that they've accepted the placement. He's going to come. And I was like, okay. And so I started crying about like 15 minutes after they left. And I was like, Peter, they haven't called us. What if they gave our kid to somebody else? So my husband being the, uh, rock that he is called the, um, the transporter. And he's like, Hey, just wanted to know if, if he's coming. And they're like, Oh yeah, we're about an hour away. And I was like, good to know. <laughs> so <laughs> He was coming to us. Nobody tried to steal my kid, which was great. Um, and so we met him and we were so excited. We were sitting on the couch, like blaring music, like giddy little schoolgirls, like waiting for him to pull up into the driveway. And when he pulled up, he was outside. And my husband was like looking through the windows. And I was like, I can't look at him yet. I can't look at him yet. And my husband was trying to just describe to me what he looked like and things like that. And then when he opened the door, I was just, I was floored. He was so little. Like my son was 16 and a half, um, almost 17. We met him for the first time and he was just tiny. I mean, barely a couple of inches taller than me and I'm five one. So if that tells you anything, wow. 17 year old, yeah, he was about five, four, five, five, um, maybe, maybe 125 pounds. He was just 
tiny. And I was just kind of overwhelmed by how small he was. Um, and it just really it like ripped my heart apart. And so when I saw him, I was like, I know that this is my son. And it's funny because my son and I look a lot alike. We get, we all, like all the time people are like, oh my gosh, is this your sister? And I'm like, no, I'm his mom. And he's like, y'all are weird. This is my mom. And um, <laughs> it's, We have a lot of really interesting conversations with strangers. But I think what hit me so hard was the first time doing his laundry just getting all of his things together. And so I just, I went to put everything in the washing machine and it was like, I was pulling the clothes out of the bags. He brought two small bags with him and, um, everything that he had was made for somebody like, you know, 12 or 13 years old. It was just small and everything was either stained or ripped or too small. And he had maybe three pairs of underwear and I just sat there, you know, in my perfect little, you know, young mom bubble in my beautiful house. And I just cried. I just sat there in my laundry room and I cried because I couldn't imagine that this was the life that kids an hour away from me were living. I just, I, I, I knew what was happening, but it really, really, really hit me at that point. Um, and I just, I knew we couldn't stop as much as the trouble we had and anyone that's been, you know, in the system, as far as working with foster care or kids and, um, orphan care programs, it is, it is soul crushing. It is painful. It is emotionally, um, taxing on everybody involved. And especially when you have difficult cases, but we just, we knew we couldn't give up. Um, so we had our son and we really started to adjust to life with him. And about four weeks after he moved in, um, Originally, when they placed him, they said, oh, yeah, more than likely this will be an adoptive placement um, as both of his biological parents are in jail. Um, about four weeks after that, they called and they said, OK, his bio mom is getting out of jail. And I was like, oh, I was a little bit shocked and scared. And um, my son spoke to his caseworker and he's like, I'm not going back anywhere. He's like, this is my home. And no matter what happens, I'm, I'm never, ever, ever going back he had never lived with his bio mom except for once in his life when he was 13. And it was an ugly situation and he was ready for a new start. And I don't sugarcoat things with my children. Um, I don't sugarcoat things with other people. My son was on drugs when he moved in. All three of my children um, have been drug dealers at one point or another. Um, two of my kids are felons. It's just the life that we live. And I have people ask me all the time, Oh my gosh, aren't you scared? How do you deal with it? And I'm like the same way you would deal with any other child going through the same type of situation. You handle it carefully and with love and respect. And the Lord's going to be the one who actually straightens everything out. So, um, my son, you know, started telling me about how he had gotten kicked out of his previous home. He wasn't in foster care at the time. My son called himself into foster care. Uh, wow. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's crazy. Yes. He um, had been bounced around from a few family members. Some were really good to him and couldn't keep him because of financial situations and things like that. Um, some of them were just not so great. And he ended up living with a teacher before they 
or she, he got kicked out of that placement and then he was moving back with his grandfather who was crippled and in his eighties. And my son went to apply for food stamps and couldn't figure out how to do it and realized that he wasn't going to be able to feed him and his grandfather and do all this different stuff. And so he called CPS on himself. Wow. Cause he had nowhere, nowhere else to go. Um, and so they, they actually told him, they said, please, whatever you can do, find somebody else to live with. Don't, don't call us. You don't want to be in foster care. They said there are not homes for kids from your situation. There are not homes for teenagers. They said the best we could probably offer you is a, a shelter. And so he waited about a day and then he called in and that was the same day that he moved in with us. So really the Lord just kind of worked that out beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of struggles with our son. He was very, I mean, very hard. He had been through so much and he had abandonment issues. And so every, every couple of days we would tuck him in and he would just start crying and screaming and it'd be, don't leave me, don't leave me. And then two seconds later, it's get out. I don't want you, you know, just pushing and trying and our son was a runaway. That was a very typical response for him was whenever he would get emotionally overwhelmed, he would just run. Um, and this was all going on in the first couple of months of him moving in with us. And um, we had a run in with a um, volunteer and the volunteer did not like me because I had chosen not to have biological children. And also I was the same age as his daughter. So that made it a very weird thing. And he firmly believed that we were not capable of raising our son. And so he actually told the judge a story that wasn't true. And it was about one of my son's friends and not my son. And they ordered him immediate removal. And CPS did. They wanted him to be moved to a um, group home. And they came and they confronted us and they said, okay, um, here's the situation. We've heard about this. And I was like, that's not true at all. And so we sat down with the workers and the volunteer and we had this whole long drawn out conversation. And I said, okay, what can we do? Because he doesn't want to move. And he kept on telling the workers, I'm going to run away from wherever you put me and you will find me here every single time, you know, and that's what he kept telling him. And, um, we had the most amazing workers at this time. They were so kind hearted and loving and, prepared to do whatever it took to keep our family together. And so they arranged a court hearing for us to speak to the judge. And when we got there, um, they took away the immediate removal order. He said, um, obviously there's new stuff that's come to light that what was happening is not true. And so we want to make sure that we do everything in our power. And he said, in, in, at that time, CPS had already made their statement of he should not be with us, but his workers actually went around that. They ended up getting in some trouble, but because of who they are and their place with the system, they were able to work it through. Um, but the judge said, we're going to come back next week. And he said, at that point, I will decide whether or not he needs to be moved or whether you will get permanent custody, not adoption. Um, so that was really scary for us. But at the same time, it was a, this is how you can have your child and he can be protected and no one can take him from us. And if anyone knows anything about PMC, especially for non-relative PMC, 
the way it worked for us is he lost all of his medical insurance. He lost all of his state care stipend. He lost his workers. He lost therapy. He lost everything that he could have had. Um, so we were kind of nervous about that. And we had only known our son for two and a half months at that point, but we went back to court and, um, the judge granted us custody of our son and, his biological mother was there and his biological father was there and his biological mother ended up pleading to the judge on our behalf for him to remain with us. And it was so powerful. Um, and I can remember the words that she was saying and she was telling the judge her story and about how she had been in so much trouble when she was younger. And she looked at us and she looked at the judge and she said, I wish there would have been people like this in my life because I might not have been this way but I'm so glad that they're here for my son. And I just, I mean, it was, it was so hard, all of it. And I was just in tears because that's who I am. I cry at everything now. Um, and I was just super overwhelmed with all of that. And, you know, I mean, it's so easy to be angry at biological parents. It's so easy to be angry at the hurt your children have been through. And I know that of course, that was not the best situation for him to be in, but for her to recognize that and for it to even be a thought on her mind that if she would have had parents at his age, that she might have been different for her child. And so we've kind of just held on to that. So that was when my son was about 16 and a half. We got permanent custody after three months, which isn't really supposed to happen, but you know, as life would be, we did that. Um, it, it was a solid six to nine months before he really started accepting his place in our family and really just kind of meshing and jiving. I mean, we always loved him. We've always had fun with him, but it was always very painful, lots and lots of pain. And, uh, he is totally my child. He is me and a half redone. (laughs) Uh, we make jokes. My mom used to always say, I hope you have a kid that's just like you. So you know what you went through. (laughs) I was like, mom, I'm adopting my kids. So I will punk you on that one. I was wrong. I 100% wrong. So mom, if you're listening, you were right. Uh, I have a child that is just like me and it has nothing to do with biology, (laughs) which is great because he is absolutely incredible. I don't understand how he is so resilient and amazing, but he is And, um, about nine months in, we decided we were ready to start adding more to the family. Well, at that point, CPS decided that because we had had such a rough go round and we had some connections with people in the local CPS chapter, they decided to close our home instead of allowing us to move forward with adoption, um, of other kids. Then, Due to no issue on either side, other than kind of a conflict of interest, somebody in the system realized that they knew my father really well. And so um, they couldn't reasonably place more kids in our home without being biased. Uh, So we had to move to a private agency. We had to get relicensed, start the process all over again after the train wreck we had before. (laughs) It took a lot of a lot of prayers and a lot of tears and a lot of begging the Lord to make sure that this was the plan because it was so painful the first time. And we did get licensed and our first placement through the agency, um, only lasted about two weeks with us. We ended up having to disrupt the placement because it was a lot more than what we could handle. 
um, it was really hard on the entire family and, uh, but I've been given great news about him. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's um, good. Just really exciting. Even though it was so painful for everybody, it was the best choice we could have made because that child is getting what he needs now. And we had to come to the point where we realized we were not saving anybody. We were not saviors. That's the Lord's job. The Lord's job is to do the saving, not us. And I think that really kind of the Lord put him in our lives to learn the lesson of we are not the ones who are changing the hearts of the children. The Lord is the one changing the hearts of the children. Um, and then about two weeks after that, um, we met our little one, our 14 year old, and <laughs> he was 13 at the time. And a caseworker that I knew was like, Hey, don't you need a 13 year old? And I was like, mm, probably not. 13 is a little young, don't you think? And she's like, no, you should take a 13 year old. And so we were messing around back and forth and, um, she showed me a picture of him and I was like, why did you do that? You can't do that. <laughs> I was like, Oh, he's precious. I was like, you bring me that baby. <laughs> so, uh, I called my agency and I was like, Hey, look, I got this baby and he is cute and we need, we're going to bring him. And they're like, okay, sounds great. You know? And so, uh, we met our 14 year old about a week later and oh my gosh, he is, he's a mess. He is just, <laughs> oh my goodness. My kids are all characters, but I, I don't know. I don't know how I survive daily. Everyone's like, oh, they're boys. They're so different than girls. They're not petty. They do all this different. And I'm like, have you ever met a teenage boy? <laughs> like, they, they're crazy. I'm, I'm suffocating with all the boy right now. They're great. I love it. Uh, he is so sassy. He is my, my crazy, wild, sassy child. Um, he's a lot of fun. He just, he's been through a lot. He's been through the rigmarole. Um, just, they just immediately bonded kind of as siblings and, um, they love to fish together. They started playing basketball together. They were outside all the time and just, just really enjoying one another. And I thought it would be a lot harder to have two kids, Come to find out it wasn't one kid was the hardest. <laughs> uh, I, it, it was just like when my younger son moved in, my oldest just there was a little piece of him that just realized that he had to be big brother and he had to take care of his younger siblings. And he just fell into that. I, I can't even explain it. It was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Like I would sit and I would cry watching my kids just interact together because I'm going this is not supposed to be this good or this beautiful or this amazing. We're supposed to be having all these problems, but here we are just living life and rocking the heck out of it. Um, and they like, people ask me all the time, like Casey, Oh my gosh, you have all these boys. I bet they fight and argue. And I'm like, actually they don't, they just love one another and they build one another up. And it's insane. I just, I'm super proud of them and impressed all the time. And my husband and I made jokes. We're like, we should be really careful what we say just in case. And we were making jokes with our caseworker yesterday. And I was like, did we just get the only good kids or what happened? And she laughed hysterically. She's like, you definitely did not get good kids. And I was like, yeah, I know. But I think we, we really got some good ones. But they just, they have a lot of fun together. And they started taking care of one another and it was just so much easier integrating a second child into our home. And then around Christmas of 2018, um, right after my 
youngest son's court date for TPR, which didn't happen at the time. Um, there was some misfiled paperwork and, you know, normal system mess. Yeah, just how it goes. Yep. Um, normal system mess at that time. And we got a phone call like the day after court and it was a worker and she was like, hey, um, nobody's going to really look at this kid's file and it's a really bad situation and he's just run away from his last placement, but it's not normal. You know, he doesn't normally do this. And I was like, okay, you know, tell me about him. And she's like, well, he's a good kid and he just, he needs a place to be and all this different stuff. And I was like, yeah, two is a little bit too easy. Why not have three? And my husband was like, yeah, I totally agree. Two is pretty simple. (laughs) So, uh, we're like, this is great. And we're like, we're going on vacation this weekend. And she's like, oh, great. When will you be home? And we're like, oh, we'll be back Tuesday. She's like, great. I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. This is how this is going to be. But um, we ended up getting to meet our third slash middle son um, the week before Christmas is when he moved in with us. So it was kind of crazy and frantic uh, trying to buy Christmas for a 15-year-old that we had never met before. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun. We got to know him really fast. And um, it was just, it was a huge blessing. We sat with his caseworker, who was actually my oldest son's caseworker um, when he moved in. So that was just a huge blessing that we got to see her again. And um, it was funny because my son sat down and he just started telling us all of these things about his past. And his caseworker was looking at him like, no, don't say that in front of these people. (laughs) She's like, I have to leave you with these people. You can't say this. What if they decide, you know, just normal, like, wide-eyed like you don't tell them this your first night here (laughs) but he just started you know opening his heart and just talking about some of the situations that he had been in and all the things he did and that my 15 year old was on a lot harder drugs than my other two and he had been adopted previously and given back to the system when he was um about 13 years old because you know it's one thing to adopt a small child and then it's another thing to um, raise that child through, you know, adolescence and through being a teenager, being a teenager is rough. I don't care who you are. I don't care if they're biological. I don't care if they're step adopted, whatever. Um, being a teenager comes with an entire slew of insecurity and a need for structure and for parenting. And so he just, he didn't have all of that. And so it's kind of funny. He just, He's a really goofy, kind-hearted boy, and he just really sets the tone for our family. And he makes jokes um, about how our family is so crazy he fits right in, <laughs> which is the truth. He definitely does. Um, and he just brings a whole new dynamic. And it's funny how each of my kids are so different, but they find ways to relate with one another. Um, they're all playing baseball right now, which my oldest son is the only one who actually likes baseball, but they're all playing because they just think it's you know, fun to be, do whatever brother does. And they, and my middle son likes to rap. And so now my other two are featuring in his songs and they're making beats for him. And it's, it's really a lot of fun. So, Hey, uh, if I knew what his SoundCloud was, I would give him a shout out right now, but I don't. So, uh, but it's coming your way. We can drop it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. We're going to have to drop it in the show notes because he's actually really talented. He's, he's got a heart to share. Um, his desire for kids in the system to have families. My middle son is probably my biggest advocate for 
kids in care. He's always saying, mom, we have to do something. We have to help this kid. We have to help this kid. Or I know this kid, we have to find him a family because he was in a lot of um, shelters and RTCs in the area. And so he really, he just has a heart for that. And my oldest son is kind of the same way. My youngest son, he was like, mom, we're not getting more kids. I don't want more kids. Brother's not moving in. Middle brother, we're not getting middle brother. He's not moving in. And he fought us for about a week. And we had to have a come to Jesus meeting about how mom and dad choose when and where and how we add to the family. That's not something we allow a 14 year old to decide for us. Um, and I was like, you know what? A lot of this is selfishness, so we've got to get past it. And now they're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to, he didn't want to not be the baby of the family and he got his wish, right? Oh, he's still the baby. That is exactly right. how it is. He's still the baby. Um, he just, he didn't want to add to the family because he had also been in a lot of group homes and shelters and, you know, it gets overwhelming and you don't want to have a whole bunch of kids because when you get more kids, you have more behavioral problems. And when you have more behavioral problems, you don't get to have the fun that you used to. Um, and we're a really busy, active family. We're always doing something. Um, we like to travel a lot. My kids are homeschooled. So that was kind of a thing. They didn't want to have to deal with public school again, but we got an immediate waiver for our middle son to be homeschooled. Um, so that was just, but yeah, they just, they click and it's crazy because their pasts are so messy. And even the things that like, I have people all the time that'll come to me and be like, Hey, I know your kid and they're a train wreck, you know, from their past. And then I'll have the same people say, okay, I got to know your kid after, and I don't know what you've done or I don't know what's been happening, but this isn't the same kid. And it's just really been a blessing that our children have been able to just show the world that they're not who they used to be. And it's been a huge blessing. Like, um, we don't really have the behavioral issues that we used to. We don't really have those kind of meltdowns there. It's like, they're all working for the sake of one another and for the sake of helping kids in care. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Um, I would love to say that me and my husband are fabulous parents. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I just think we're uh, ringleaders to the real stars of the show, which are our children. Um, they just, they're a huge blessing. And at this point, we are in the process of selling our house because we have met several other kids who have asked us to be their parents. So, wow. Yeah, we want a much bigger house. Because my kids are ready for a sister. <gasps> Yay! That's so cool. I know. I need a girl so bad. Um, <laughs> I have three boys and one girl. So that life is... It's really fun to have just the one girl because she gets to be like the, you know, the princess of the house or whatever. And so she always right. jokes, we call the boys the stinky boys, the two of us mm -hmm. do. I think I yeah. told you that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it's really fun. Cause she goes, mommy, we're girls. We're the girls. <laughs> and right. She loves it. It's really fun. And I, I, I need that in my life right now. Every time I like walk by girls clothing, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't handle it. It's so cute. All right, guys, sorry to interrupt, but I'm so excited to keep talking about my sponsor for this episode. So Little Box of Decorations helped me out so much with my daughter's party. She is like girly girl to the max, and she had to have a mermaid slash unicorn party. Their mission is like planning and decorating small events can be stressful, tiring, and time-consuming. 
little box of decorations is here to save your party day. LBD provides all-in-one kits that include everything you need for your party, including table settings, decorations, and invitations, all delivered to your doorstep. There are curated kits available, or like me, they can work with you to design any custom party. No more running around town or stressing out about coordinating details or hoping your colors match or any of that. So you want to check out their website at littleboxofdecorations.co or follow them on Instagram at lbdecorations for all of your party needs. LBD is all of the party and none of the hassle. They are great and easy to work with and they won't even make fun of you when you come at them with a crazy idea like mermaid unicorn party. You guys are definitely going to want to check them out. So what do you wish that you had known at the beginning of this journey? I just, I really feel like we didn't know enough about the system. And I think one thing that we really didn't know enough about was investigations. We didn't realize that investigations were even a thing. We didn't know that somebody could call in and say that we were, you know, abusing our children. And then we would have people come in, blindside us and just start interrogating us. It was really, really emotionally stressful. And because we had a teenager, I mean, that just that just kind of happened. And so we would get stuff over the littlest things or, you know, I, I really, I wish I would have known more about what the system looks like and how everybody's roles played out. And also I wish I would have known that I can be an advocate for my children and it's okay. And it's even okay to cross caseworkers and things like that, because we are all working for the sake of the child and hopefully we're all on the same team, but occasionally there are times when they are not close enough to the situation to know what's going on. And just to be bold, that's what I would say. I wish I would have known to be bold. I love that. So um, what do you wish you had done differently? Man, I wish that I would have reached out to more adoptive and foster parents in the beginning because it is so lonely it is so incredibly lonely to go into this life. And especially at our age, um, we went into several churches when we were looking and we were like, Hey, we're 25 and 26. Um, you know, we are, we've been married for four and a half years. Um, we also are going to have teenage sons. Is there a class for us? And they're like, no, there's really no place for you here. And we're like, okay, that sounds good. And I, while I appreciate the honesty, I was like, you know, it's really sad that there's not more of a place for people like us. You know, you can either be at the church with your newlyweds, but we weren't really newlyweds, or you can be a young family, or you can be an empty nester. There's really no, there's no precedence for 25 year olds with, you know, 16 year old kids doesn't really happen. Um, so I wish we would have found our people and our tribes sooner. Um, we struggled a lot with loneliness in the beginning. Um, and it took us probably a solid six to eight months before we really like found online forums and we found friends and just different people. And I'm just now starting to get to the point where I'm making friends in my community that are actually doing the same thing that we're doing. So, um, that's what I would have done differently. I would have built my, my community back then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, community is such a big deal. And that's why, you know, just with the podcast, I, I think in my mind, because I'm, I'm pretty resourceful and I am like, you know, hit the ground running kind of person. So like in our adoption story, I was 
pregnant and we were in our pride training and I was like, we're going to adopt a teenager. And I'm like huge belly. And people were like, you're insane. And I was like, maybe, but you know, it's fine. Um, and I was crazy by the way. <laughs> I mean, again, like I'm I'm totally crazy, but it doesn't matter. We we did it. And here it is. Right. Exactly. And, you know, so I was like, oh, I'm going to find all this stuff. I'm going to get involved in here and all these, you know, groups and online forums. And I think I didn't realize that not everyone is like that. And so with the Adoptive Mom podcast, you know, I started that. I just saw this intense need for community that people were like, I wish I had that in our area, or I wish I had an adoption mentor in my area. And I think I take it for granted because I live in a very adoption heavy part of our state, um, which is so crazy to say, because it's still not adoption heavy, but compared to a lot of other places it is. And so having, you know, a teenager or a young mom with a teenager is actually not that weird in our area. Um, but I take that for granted and I don't realize that in other areas it totally is and that people need community. And so that's why I started the adoptive mom community on Facebook. And, um, I love that. Um, I love that you, you know, people like you and I are able to minister to adoptive moms specifically. And so I think it's really great that that's, that's a goal of yours and that that's something that you see as important as well. Um, and that actually goes into my next question, which is how did your tribe or your people or your community support you? And I know that you're saying that you didn't feel so much support, but to the extent that you did, what was the best, just, I don't know, care for y'all that you, you saw? Actually, um, so there are two different ways. My husband's family is originally from the suburbs of L.A. We do not live in L.A. We live in Texas, a backwoods East Texas in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so his family is all spread out through California and through Arizona. And so they're really not able to be close to us much, which is really sad for us. But at the same time, we are really glad at the life that they have um, where they are. Super blessed. We are close to my parents. We work for my parents. We see my parents. My dad's also a pastor. Um, my mom is a children's minister, just all kind of that stuff. And whenever we first started to, you know, look towards this path, everyone, of course, you know, very typical, you're crazy, you're crazy. And my parents were like, you're crazy. Y'all are going to have to be careful. You can't ever be alone with this kid. You can't ever do this, you know, typical, um, fear, typical fear. And I've learned that I'm not allowed to be afraid because God did not give me a spirit that makes me afraid, but he gave me a spirit of power, love and self-control. Um, so that's kind of how I live my life as I'm not allowed to be scared. Uh, just has to go away. I don't, don't get that luxury. Um, so in the beginning, even though Peter and I are, we make really wise financial decisions. We make really wise choices. Um, we've owned two homes before we ever even had our kids. You know, we're very young. Um, the Lord kind of just impressed upon our hearts that in order for us to be able to allow our people to be able to, um, really support us. We needed to be open to financial support as well. And as far as like getting our home ready for our son. And that was really hard for me because I grew up in a really wealthy family. My husband, not so much. Um, and so I was like, "Ah, you know, we can do this on our own. We can totally do this on our own. And the Lord was like, you can do it on your own, but if you let me do it, you're really going to be blessed to see all this different stuff. And so, um, I kind of made a baby registry for my son's room with different things like pillows and towels. And it was, I I really think like there was one time when I made this registry and within a couple of days I got this box on my office doorstep and I opened it and it was every single thing on my registry that I had 
requested. Somebody had just gone through, clicked everything and just sent it all to us at one time. And I just kind of like sat there crying. And I was like, even though we, we're not the kind of people that have those friends that are close nearby, they are so giving to us and they're so willing to support us in that way. Like we were able to decorate his room. We were able to, you know, we, we had a garage sale to sell some stuff so that we can make, make money to like put his dresser in his room. And we just had friends that would come by and they would just, I I think everything was by the time everything was said and done, I think we had two or $3,000 that we had just been able to save up for his room and for his furniture. And just, we, we couldn't have done it on our own. It would have taken a lot of time and he wouldn't have been able to walk into a place that was his. Um, but because they did that, really that just, that was super, super blessing for us. And then also with my parents being close by and my dad being a pastor, there were times where (laughs) my son would be losing his ever loving mind, um, screaming, running, couldn't come under control, packing up his bags. There were so many times when he just packed up his bags and, you know, he, he would just be so emotionally stressed out that I would call my dad and I'm like, dad, I can't do it. He's not listening. And I was like, right now he is holed up in the bathroom and I'm sitting outside so he can't run away. (laughs) Um, can you, can you make it to my house? And so my dad would come over and my dad was really able to speak to him and to just kind of calm him down. And so we had that. And then my son got saved a couple months after he moved in. So that was probably my, my greatest blessing is my children's salvation. All three of them have come to know the Lord in a real way. And that's just, um, probably my greatest blessing. And once that happened, I was like, we're good. No matter what happens from now on, this is the hardest part. So we're okay. Yeah. Um, so that was just really good. Um, and I made a friend in an online forum about six months in, and she lives in Austin. She's my best friend now, and she has an adopted six-year-old. And so we were just really kind of bonded over our love for teenagers and older kids and care. And um, I'm not a girly girl. I am a girly girl, but I'm not the kind of girl that's like, hey, girl, let's go out and do all this fun stuff. And she totally is. And I love that about her because uh, <laughs> she would like I would be in bed and my phone would go off and I'm like, what is this video what, video chat? I've never video chatted in my life. And so and now she calls me three or four times a day on video chat. And if she doesn't, I think she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, a busy mom or just like a, you know, just overwhelmed mom's best tool is Marco Polo. I don't know if you're on that, but that's my <laughs> favorite app. Like I would rather do that over texting any day. And it, cause it's so easy. You don't like, you can look away and look back and it's just, yeah, my kids can interrupt and I just keep it going. I love Marco Polo. I don't know if that's what you use, but oh man, I love it. I think, I think she's told me about that. And I'm so, uh, like I said, she lives in Austin and she's a lot more tech savvy and more modern than I am. I'm very much, I kind of see myself as a Mrs. Doubtfire person. So whereas I'm five foot one and blonde and young, I kind of see myself as a really old lady. And she's like, you're not an old lady. I mean, you can see the sweater I'm wearing. It's... I think you have to have some sort of an old lady soul if you're calling your 18 year old like your baby boy. I love that though. Oh, oh, he's my <laughs> tiny little baby son. That's his nickname is my baby son. <laughs> I love it. So the flip side of my question um, of just how does your community support you is how did you feel <clears throat> unsupported? And I think that you've you've kind of already answered that. Like right, like just 
you know, I think that you told me in a text message, not on this one, that people have called you a pedophile before. Yeah. Um, so that's that not supportive, not just fun. so you guys know. Anyone listening, don't <clears throat> call people. <laughs> yeah, we actually get that one frequently. Um, not, I mean, not like terribly frequently, but we've had people, I mean, even the CASA worker, the volunteer that really, really made life rough for us didn't believe in front of my son, he sat down and he said, why do you even want this kid? You don't want babies. What makes you want this kid? And I was like, you don't talk like that in front of my child. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't care. I said, this is my son. And it has been a very rough road. Um, making people see us as a family. Um, a lot of the people that I know are very baby oriented, which is great. I'm 100% pro life, pro baby, but I'm also 100% pro whole life. And that doesn't end when your baby is born. That doesn't end when you have a perfect Christian household. You have to go above and beyond because that's the call of the gospel. And I had people that were like, oh, but I know you have a son, but he's not really yours. Um, you probably didn't feel that overwhelming emotion when you saw him. And I'm like, oh, no, I totally did. It's, and I don't have anything to compare it to. So for me, this is motherhood. This is what motherhood looks like. And they're like, but you just never got this and you never got that. And so I think the hardest thing for me was people were constantly trying to take away my relationship with my children. They're constantly trying to um, degrade that and to make it something that it's just not, it's not good. It's not, they're trying to pull away the relationship that we have. And it's hard on my kids. My kids get angry because we will go out and every single time, I mean, it happens every day. And every time somebody says something, my kids just look at me like, what is she going to say next? Because my two younger ones refuse to say anything about foster care. Um, they, they make really crude jokes about being my vagina babies because they won't, you know, they won't tell people that they're not biologically mine. Uh, welcome <laughs> to having teenagers, especially ones with the, that moved in tweaking on cocaine. Uh, <laughs> you get used to it. Your standards lower a little bit. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's just, I mean, we'll go out and every single time someone's like, Oh, is this your girlfriend? And he's like, no, this is my mom, you creeper. And then of course you have your shocked and, Oh, but you're so young. You're so this. And, um, so I've started, um, getting really creative with my responses because I, of course I'm not going to jump in and say, Oh, well, they're not really my kids or right. they're not, they're adopted or they're in foster care. Cause we don't do that. That's, that's not how we play that game. And they're like, oh my God, you look so young. Wow, must be a blessing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about selling my tears as an anti-aging serum. And they just kind of, <laughs> I, I, it's really fun. And so every time my kids just kind of like chuckle to themselves, like they, they don't know who they're talking to, do they, mom? And I'm like, no, they don't, baby. So that's awesome. a lot of fun. I love it. Um, and so uh, my next question is always, what is your favorite adoption resource? There was one blog, and I believe his name is something. Thing Johnson. It's a man who writes a Christian blog. Yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Jeremy, but I know he's a like pastor in LA. <laughs> um, also, great person. Jeremy <laughs> Johnson, great pastor. He, uh, he originally had this band called Worth Dying For. And I, well, I guess this could be an adoptive resource. And he had this um, really this sermon about starfish and, you know, the story about, you know, picking up the starfish and tossing them back and someone comes along and says, well, there's so many starfish. And he's like, but it changed the life of that one. And so that's kind of how we feel. Um, the funniest thing of all is my husband and I really 
really decided we wanted to adopt when we watched this movie called Delivery Man. <laughs> and I don't know if you know the premise, but um, basically, I think it's Vince Vaughn, and he ends up donating sperm yes! to a sperm bank. And they, they give it out like 500 times, and so he has 500 biological children, and they're suing him for his um, information. And he gets these little packets on like over 100 of his kids, and so you just see him kind of like start to be a mentor to all of these kids. And there's like a hundred and some of out of them at the time that he's really kind of getting to know. And me and my husband just like sat and we cried the whole time. And I know it's not the same. and I know it's an adoption, but at the same time, that's kind of how our hearts are. So when people are like, so how many kids do you want? We're like, well, a hundred and some odd would be fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, that movie just, was good. I liked it a lot. It was it was really funny, but I do think that it was um it had a really sweet premise too, just about um about the responsi- about responsibility and um how how you can be there for kids even though it doesn't fit right. in a normal box. So I like that. Right. Um cool. okay, and then if you could just sum it all up, what is your <laughs> sorry, for those of you listening on audio, his her son's peeking around the video. Um Oh, is he? I can't see him. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Are you peeking around the video? <laughs> He's smiling and shaking his head. Hi. <laughs> hi. That's, you, that's Randall. Hi. He says, I can't hear you, but hi. <laughs> that's fine. Um, okay. If you could just sum it all up into one, you know, one piece of advice or encouragement, what would that be to adoptive parents, especially um, ones wanting to adopt older kids? Let your kids show you who they are because they will. If you give them the opportunity to show you who they are on the inside, they will show you. And it is insanely incredible. Um, And learn to push past the expectations of what you have for your life and let the Lord show you what he has for your life. Because I promise it's a billion times better. We tell our kids all the time. And there's this little Christian story about this little girl with plastic pearls and her dad's always asking her, well, you know, do you love me? And she's like, well, yeah, daddy, I love you. I'd do anything for you. And he's like, well, would you give me your pearls? And she's like, oh, daddy, I would give you my teddy bear, but not my pearls. They're my favorite. He's like, that's okay. It's all right. And, you know, he tucks her into bed every night and the story keeps going. And every night he's like, baby, do you love me? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, will you give me your pearls? And he's like, no, I can't do that, daddy. And finally one night she just is in tears. And she says, daddy, I love you so much. I want you to have my pearls. And he says, oh, that's so good. And then he gives her this beautiful, real pearl necklace. And that's just kind of the way we view our entire life is that when we quit holding on to what we want for our lives and we give it to the Lord with a glad heart, he gives us back something real and something valuable. Mm, Good stuff. Casey, just thank you so much for being on the show. Yes, thank you, Alex. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.